So over the past uh, few weeks, well, first, uh, Mark said uh, Pastor John's going to be on sabbatical for the next few weeks. He meant to say the next few months, so it's not just a few weeks. It's going to be two or three months. Um, so I'm not joking. Okay, I know I'm not joking. That's actually true. So um, we've been going over the sermon series of giving up for getting more, and so I'm just going to go around and ask what you've learned over the past five weeks. Um, y'all, you got nervous over there. We're, we're not actually going to do that. You're, you're welcome. I was going to go right to the confirmation students and uh, put them on the spot, but of course, can't do that. Anyway. Look, we're at Colossians chapter 3 today, looking uh, through verses 1 through 17. And these particular verses changed my life. They they stopped me in my tracks uh, between my freshman and sophomore year of college. I was working as a camp counselor at a covenant camp in Yelm, Washington. And I came across this passage for the first time, seemingly and... I wasn't particularly convicted by anything that was going on in my life. There wasn't anything that I was like, okay, you know, this really speaks to to where I am right now. But it was a reminder of where I had been and where God had taken me and where God was taking me. I was on a journey, and that journey has not stopped yet. We're all on our journey as we grow in the grace and truth of our Lord Jesus Christ The more we grow in the knowledge and the more we bear fruit in every good work that he bears in us, the more that the Holy Spirit begins convicting us of sin in our lives, and the more we start to strive towards living a life pleasing of Jesus Christ. So this morning we're going to continue and be finished with the sermon series, Giving Up for Getting More or Receiving More. We live in a society that tells us that we can have whatever we want, whenever we want it. I constantly find myself uh, searching eBay for the latest and greatest gadgets and realizing I can't afford those. So I see, you know, what's, what are the la- least uh, latest models and things like that. And looking at what are the best cell phone plans, you know, where I can be saving money. And, and more recently, I've been looking online at a new black suit to replace the one that I've had since 2004, which is falling apart. Um, Maybe some of you here struggle with uh, being satisfied with what you have, or maybe you look to material possessions to bring you satisfaction and comfort. Maybe you look to other people to find connection instead of God. Maybe you turn to substances, Food, alcohol, booze, tobacco, whatever. Maybe getting lost in uh, social media, uh, scouring the internet uh, for pornography, or um, getting lost in fantasy on looking at the next and latest vacation. Whatever it is, it seems like we turn and we try to escape and we turn to something else other than God. It's like we have a default in us that draws us into something or someone or someplace else instead of going to God as our comforter. The people in the church in Colossae were experiencing the same thing. They were learning now to live a completely different way in light of their relationship in Christ. And they struggled with letting some of those things go in their past. Here, there's a map so you can kind of see where Colossae is. It's a city in modern-day Turkey. In fact, 
Colossae is still there, and it's still in Turkey, right? But at the beginning of this letter, Paul is encouraging the church in Colossae and saying, hey, look, you all have been doing a lot of great things, doing pretty good things out there, but yet there's still things that you're holding on to that you've got to let go of in order to experience more of your freedom in Christ. And Paul continues this message, and he lays out some guidelines for holy living, Let me pause, because we don't want to hear this. We don't want to hear this. If we're being honest, we don't want to hear this, because it's convicting. It's convicting. We want to avoid it. If we're being honest with ourselves, we don't like when people point out things that we have to work on. We don't like to hear how we fall short. We don't like to hear how we have to give up things in our lives that we have become accustomed to year after year to help us cope with life. It's hard for us to now move into a new way of living, and sometimes it's just too uncomfortable. We don't like having to work on things. We don't like being pushed. We like the easy life. And being a Christian is sometimes just too hard. But I want to encourage us this morning to go there. So church, the first service was dead. They did not respond at all. So second service, sorry first service if you're watching the second service. We love you. I love you too. Second service, can we go there today? Okay, a little bit better, a little bit better. But we're going to go there whether you like it or not. So just want to make sure you're on board. But look, Holy living is a very serious thing we do as Christians, and we have a higher standard of living. We must set our eyes and focus on what is in front of us rather than where we've been. We focus our eyes on where Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father, and we have to be heavenly-minded now instead of focused on the earthly things of the past. And so before Paul tells us how we ought not to live, he tells us why we're supposed to be living a holy lifestyle in the first place. It's like trying to explain to a teenager or a child that they have to do something that they've never had to do before, and you say, please, please do this. And what is the immediate response? Why? Why do I have to do this? This doesn't make any sense. Why do I have to do this? And so Paul, being keen on this, he tells them straight ahead in verse 3. He says, look, you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You see, the reason why we live the way we do is because of our new life in Christ. It's our new identity, that when we gave our lives over to Jesus Christ, we died with him on the cross, all of our sins being paid for once and for all. And now we are raised to new life in Christ, and now we need to start figuring out what does that look like in our lives. I'm going to give you an example that might not make much sense, 
It's a meager attempt to try to explain this using real life situation. All right, so forgive me ahead of time, but there I was 21 years ago, and I was raising my right hand, and I was swearing into the army to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and so forth, and I thought I knew what I was getting into. I had an idea of what sacrifice was going to mean. And so through all the push-ups and sit-ups and running and getting yelled at in basic training, I started having an idea what the army was really all about. I just kind of had a glimpse at that point, but I thought I knew a lot. My identity, although not my personality, because you can't bring that down, right? I'm always going to be the way I am, okay? But my identity started getting wrapped into who I was in the army, right? I started bleeding green, which means you've been in the army so long, you know, everything about you just kind of screams army. And so I thought I knew what it was to sacrifice. But it wasn't until after having been deployed to Iraq for a year and then having been separated from my wife for four years through having to go overseas and going to different trainings over 21 years did my wife and I begin to realize what it really was to sacrifice and serve in an organization and part of an organization that was above ourselves. This is what I believe the Apostle Paul is getting at. You see, oftentimes we have an idea of what Christianity is all about. We think we know what we're getting into. And just as we start to uncover more, the more we start to discover. In fact, that there is so much more that Christ has to offer than what we first thought. When we make a commitment, however, our lives are changed forever. We no longer continue to walk in the ways that move away from Christ. We now walk with Jesus. And the more we start to know about Jesus, the more the Holy Spirit is moving and dwelling within us, the more we start to depend on that Spirit, the more we begin to be convicted of sin and convicted of the ways in which we need to respond in this world. The more our hearts are convicted of compassion, mercy, and justice. And so if we are in Christ, if we have confessed with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believed in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. And that is our old self being thrown off, now living into the new life that Christ has called us into. For me, living as a Christian has been a process. I have met people where Christ has come in and immediately changed their life. They have 180 turn, degree turn immediately, and they no longer go back to the things that they struggled with. They're changed in an instant. Christ transforms every aspect of their life, and they're different. But for me, and I think many other people, it's been a process of learning and growing and struggling as we uncover, as God uncovers those areas of our lives in which we need to submit to him. So let's look together at verses 5 through 11 and see exactly what Paul is telling the people to let go of. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all things as these, anger, 
rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the image in, or knowledge and image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but all is all. Christ is all and is in all. Paul is urging the church here to truly live into their identity in Christ. The church in Colossae was still holding on to some of those things in which they had known in the past, but they had to let go of them. And just like the church today, there's many things that we must begin letting go of to experience more of Christ's abundance in our lives. There have been times in my life where I've been convicted of something that I need to let go of. And I finally come to a point of like, yes, I've reached it. I'm doing great. And God's like, oh, hey, now, Jeremy, since that's now been taken care of, now it's given you the ability to see this other area in your life that you have to work on. And I'm like, no, come on. This took me years to get over. And now I'm having to work on something else. And I'm like, come on, God, isn't this good enough? Can I just stop? He's like, no, because there's more for you if you're just willing to uncover every area of your life and not just the ones you have an awareness of right now. You ever been around a swamp? I know that was a quick transition, okay? You ever been around a swamp or a puddle that's been around for a month after it's rained and it smells, it stinks, there's disease that, and germs that insects and, and animals bring, feces, like all kinds of gross stuff in the swamp. You don't want to be around the swamp. It's gross, you can get sick from it. As Christians, do you really want to be hanging around other people who are constantly swearing, living promiscuous lifestyles, lying, and involved in all kinds of other things like rage and malice and slander? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, he says, bad company corrupts good character. Now, this does not alleviate our call to be evangelists and being light into a world filled with darkness, that we are called to be beacons of hope and light into those areas and to shine Christ's light into those areas. But Paul is saying, be careful. And church, if you're surrounding yourself with other people, you might just get corrupted. The longer you hang out with people of those kinds of influences, the, long, the more you are tempted to dive into those activities as well. And the opposite is true. The longer you hang out with someone who is filled with love, grace, mercy, and compassion, the more you kind of start to want to emulate that life as well. So just as Christ wants to bring new life into your life, what happens when that fresh water begins to enter into that swamp? What happens when that swamp begins to receive that living water, that clean water, that pure water? It starts to dredge out all that other stuff, and you're left with a beautiful, clear lake that is pleasing. This is all about giving up for getting more. Paul goes on then in verse 12 through 14, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, 
Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is a breath of fresh air. I don't know how many of you grew up uh, in, in the Christian church where you were taught, hey, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. That makes you a good Christian if you just don't do this, right? Certainly that was kind of the mentality that I had. I'm not sure if necessarily I was intentionally taught to think that, but I was definitely told to stay away from more things rather than to live into the right things to live into. So we're to clothe ourselves with compassion, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And most importantly, binding all of these things in love. These are not just merely suggestions for the church to adopt and decide for themselves which ones are going to work for them or not. It's an all or nothing He says, look, it's not just that you have to let these other things go. If you do not replace them with the good things of the Spirit, what has really changed in your life? In Alcoholics Anonymous, there is a saying for such a person. These members are technically sober. They have not maybe had a drink or abused drugs for many years. In a sense, they have stopped doing all the bad stuff But these members are stuck. And they're not truly finding meaningness and happiness. These members are called dry drunks. Being a dry drunk is described in two conditions. The first is when someone has given up drinking and drugging for uh, a, a long period of time, but there is no internal or emotional changes. They stay the same person they were before, but the substance is gone. The second condition for someone is when they continually choose to progressively move away from the path of recovery and their life begins to slowly return to that chaotic and unrealistic thinking. And I think this is a pretty good summary of the Christian church. We might be able to stop doing all the bad stuff, but are we able to move into the areas in which God is calling us to live into? There are so many Christians that I know that say, um, stay away from sexual immorality, impurity, lust, desires, evil, greed, idolatry, anger, rage, malice, and slander, filthy language. I know some non-Christians that don't do any of that stuff. But are they able to live into verses 12 through 14? Are any of us here dry Christians and that are we allowing this living water to move and pour into our lives to demonstrate a change? Are we able to move with the spirit inside of us to move more towards humility, compassion, and grace and kindness? This message that Paul is telling us is that not only must we not do this, we must replace it with this. And thank God we have grace that it is not in our own ability that we can do any of this. It is the Holy Spirit living within us that gives us the power to live that life out. The Holy Spirit continues to stretch us, to mold us, and to convict us, and to help us to live the life that is pleasing 
to God. Because we were reminded a few Sundays ago uh, in Romans chapter 12, specifically verse 2, he says, Paul says, look, you can't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but you must be transformed through the renewing of your mind. And once that happens, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. When we live in the Spirit, we will know the thoughts of God. We will be able to discern the heart of God. We will be able to see with the eyes of God. And we will be able to wrap those up, most importantly, in love. Love covers all. And if you can do that, your life is going to be filled with so much more purpose, so much more abundance, because you are aligning your life with what God desires. When we live according to the Spirit, we feel closer to God. We don't have to deal with guilt or shame or put ourselves in damaging relationships. We have a peace that surpasses all understanding. So, the question is, how are you doing with that today? How am I doing with that today? What might be some areas that we need to adjust to align it with God? What areas must we experience more of Christ's love and grace in our lives? Look, it's a process. Don't get discouraged. We, we are all in this together. We have one another to help us, to move us, and to encourage us to keep going. Remember, falling is not failing. Failing is when you fall and you don't get back up. So we keep striving. Giving up is not an option. And I want to encourage all of you to just, if you can just transform that way of thinking, transform that perspective, and now transform your way of living, you're going to be able to experience so much more that God has for you if you're just willing to let go in order to receive more. Would you pray with me? God, thank you again for demonstrating your ultimate love purpose and grace in our lives. God, you are great and your love endures forever and we are grateful that you have visibly shown us your grace through the sacraments of baptism and communion. And God, as we move into this time now, we ask that you would just continue to fill our hearts, our minds, that we can encounter you in a very real, physical, and visible way to encourage our, our faith as we experience you. Amen.